looked at Ephesians 2, verses 11 through 18, and how the death on the cross, how the cross, we could look at that as, as meaning unity and peace, bringing unity and peace to all of us. The week before that, we looked at 1 Peter 2, verses 21 through 25, and this is Jesus ridding us of our sins by the work on the cross, but also something on the cross in the last few verses of that passage, whereas, let me just refresh your memory, it says, you were lost sheep with no idea who you were or where you were going. Now you're named and kept for good by the shepherd of your souls. This is how we can see when we look at the cross, the shepherd, the shepherd, Jesus is the good shepherd, that the cross could represent this good shepherd, that this shepherd, Jesus, knows us by name. He calls all of us by name. Because when we're lost, when we were lost, he, he doesn't want any of us to perish. So he searches for his lost sheep, and he'll do anything for his lost sheep. Even dying on a cross to save his sheep, which Jesus did. Jesus' death on the cross, giving us life. This life that we come today to celebrate. Today we're going to continue this discussion of this question. What does the cross mean to you? Today we're going to be looking at Colossians 2, just a few verses, 13 through 15. So if you want to look at those with me. It says, when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charges of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. So this letter that's written, this letter is written to the Colossians. And as we've, we've looked, the Colossians were considered Gentiles. The Colossians were, were not the chosen people of God. These are, these are people that, as we looked, talked about last week, the Jewish people looked down on these Gentiles. The Gentiles considered... The Jewish people considered the Gentiles, they, they had no hope, and they had n- never any ability of knowing the one true God. So just to remind you, let me read those two verses from last week, the, just the first two verses out of Ephesians 2, 11 through 12. Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens. So they're calling them names, not very nice names, who were proud of their circumcision even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. In those days you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel. And you did not know the covenant promises God had made for the, to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. So here's, I mentioned that last week, and this is important. I just want to spend a little bit of time on that too, because it is important to imagine living in a world with no hope and no God. Hope is like I keep saying is hope is something that we know is true. We put our hope in something because we we know that it's true. We know it's going to happen. Like this year, finally this year, the Lakers I think are going to make the playoffs. So I hope, at least my hope is I I'm certain that they're going to get a playoff in, in one of the play-in games, and I hope that they'll win that game. Now I can wish today that the Golden State Warriors lose and the Lakers win, and then they're for sure in the playoffs. I can wish the Lakers are going to win the championship, but I don't really think they will. 
It's possible, but it's, it's very unlikely because I'm just wishing. And that's a world, and we also have this world that's without a God. So no hope, no God. All we have is this world that we live in. And I think we can agree, this world right now that we live in is kind of a mess right now. There's, in less than 24 hours, I think I've read of two or three shootings that have happened. People just killing people. A world where we talk about, I talked about last week, where people just hate people. Like in Jesus' time, they hated people too, just because of their nationality, just because of their race. A world where, that's still run by our sinful nature. It's what it comes down to. So a world, maybe you could say with no hope and no God. But there is hope, isn't there? And there is a God. This is, in fact, how Paul describes this world that the Colossians live in. And I think it's a world that we still live in. This is verse 13. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh. Now, was it because the Gentiles were not, weren't circumcised? Is that what kept them dead in their sins? Because they didn't follow this, this rule? No. It was, that it was this uncircumcised sinful nature. That nature that we all have, that it's made us all dead to sin. That sinful nature was intact. Nothing's, nothing had broken it. Nothing had separated it. Nothing had cut it away. Nothing had removed it. And we know what circumcision is, right? Like we know what that is. You remove flesh. You cut away the foreskin. You separate it from the body. Look at Deuteronomy 10.16. This is written a long, long time ago. It says, circumcise your hearts, therefore, and do not be stiff-necked any longer. So here's Moses telling way, before, way, way before Jesus, hundreds of years, thousands of years. He's telling the Israelites, God's chosen people, these people that were supposed to be superior to everybody. He's saying, it's not your foreskin that needs to be circumcised. It's your hearts. Circumcise your hearts. In fact, in the New Living Translation where it says, stiff-necked people, it says, stop being stubborn. Since submit to God, not only with your bodies, yeah, you're following the law. You're obeying things like circumcision. But what you really need to do is you need to submit to God with your heart. Paul is saying that, you know what? You guys, you might be physically alive. You might even be circumcised in the flesh. But you're spiritually dead. So what does that look like, maybe? Probably looks like my life growing up. For all purposes, I would, now I wasn't Jewish, but you could say I probably looked like a circumcised Jew. Went to church every week. I followed all the rules. I did everything that was required of me so that my outward appearance, my physical appearance, if you looked at my life, physically you'd say, oh, he's all about religion. From the outside appearance, it would say, oh, look at that good church boy. Inside? Hmm. I was dead. Spiritually, let's just say, you know what I've been saying? Jesus calls your name. He was calling my name a lot. So when that door was open, when the door was open and people could see my life, when I knew people were watching, I fooled everybody. But you close that door when I thought nobody could see? When I thought maybe I wasn't in public and I didn't think anybody was watching, but they were? It's a different story. My sinful nature ran wild. 
And as somebody once kind of questioned me and asked me, they, they were just challenging me a little bit. They said, I go, listen, just because I didn't get caught doesn't mean I didn't do it or I didn't think it. I just got extremely lucky and I never got busted. So I was just like Paul saying to these Colossians, dead in my sins. But was I without hope? Was I without God? Might have been living like it. But that's, there was still hope for me. God was still there. And I'm just, thank, thank goodness Jesus never gave up on me. And he never gives up on us. So let's look at verses 13 and 14. It said, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. That's victory. Jesus giving us victory over this sinful nature that we all have, giving us victory on the cross, giving us forgiveness. Again, victory over sin's power that keeps us trapped. The thing is, is that when the cross happened, the verdict came back on all of us. The verdict came back. And it was, we were found not guilty. We've all been given victory. Victory to no longer live under this sin's power that has us all tangled up in its web. God giving us his son. Jesus to die on the cross has given us victory to live free from the sinful nature, to live for Christ. Recently, some friends of mine, they have a, they, they have a son that doesn't live in Billings, but he's coming back. He's engaged. He and on the way back home for a visit, his fiance is riding with him and she starts looking at his phone. Starts looking at his phone and she's like, well, what's this charge? Well, what is this charge? Well, he's busted. Charges for pornography. Just told his fiance, I'm, I'm addicted to pornography. Had to tell his, tell his parents that. They're, they're due to get married in a month or two. This has just been exposed. There's a lot of fallout going on, and it's still ongoing. This might be a story that some of you may have lived this story. It might be a story of maybe a different sin that, that maybe you just can't seem to shake, that you're under its power. And this verse is telling us that in Jesus, the work of the cross, the power of that sin is gone. Now, does it mean we're never going to be tempted? Does it mean we're never going to sin again? God didn't make us robots. God didn't make us robots. So when we flip on this Jesus switch, it doesn't mean that we're never going to feel temptation again. We're never going to sin again. In fact, I bet it's the opposite. Most of us can agree to this. It stops. When we flip on this Jesus switch, the enemy tries even harder because he wants to get back what he lost. And he has lost. Remember, this enemy has lost. Jesus gave us victory. But trust me, we're going to sin again. I bet every single one of us in this room has sinned several times this morning. Especially like, it's time to get to church. I'm, I don't, probably sinned maybe a little bit. Maybe, maybe me this morning when I pulled into my, I got this little routine, I pull into the coffee shop, get my coffee in the morning, come to church. It's like my routine. I've got to follow my routine. 
Well, they were closed for Easter. Yeah, I sinned a little bit. Later I said, okay, now I get it. It's Easter. Good for you guys to be closed. So I had to go somewhere else that doesn't care about Easter, and I'm not going to mention their name. But the difference is in this is that we've already been forgiven. The power of sin, it's gone. It's gone, but there's something we have to do. It's gone for those of us that believe in Jesus, that we've trusted our lives to him. This power, just it was miraculously, it was destroyed by Jesus on the cross. Something else we probably should look, look at it this way is that when we put our faith in Jesus, we're found not guilty by our Father, by God, who is the judge. We have been forgiven. But in this verse, it's, it's, the verse says forgave. It's past tense. The sin, now this sin that we all have, it had to be dealt with. It had to be dealt with before God can make us alive, before that reconciliation can happen, before God could say, you're not guilty. But Jesus' death on the cross forgave us. It's already been done. It's giving us victory. This verdict that we can have of not guilty, but it requires us to believe, requires us to put our faith in Jesus. This young man I told you about, he's, he's not without hope. He's not without God. He has put his faith in, he's put his trust in God. And he's working on it. It's difficult. He's He's, he's put his hope in Jesus. He's seeing, he knows that God has wiped away those sins. God's already forgiven him. God sees him as clean. God sees him as new. Jesus canceling our debt on that cross. Those sins, that the enemy likes to condemn us with. He condemns those with. He tries to keep bringing them up in our lives, trying to use them against us. The enemy trying to tell us that you are hopeless. This is why I love this verse. Jesus gave us hope because he took that list. He took that list that the enemy has. He took that list and he nailed it to the cross. He says he put it on the cross. He put it on the cross so everyone can see it. And it's got a big red stamp on it. It said paid in full. So what does the cross mean to me? It means that debt, my sin, all of our sin, that debt's paid in full means I can find hope in Jesus, regardless of what my past is. It doesn't matter what my past is. It means the enemy, when I put my faith in Jesus, it is, he is powerless. It means by the cross, Jesus has given me hope. The enemy can no longer use that past against me. He can't keep me trapped in my sinful nature because I have freedom, because the cross has given me victory, given me victory over sin. I'm going to ask you, you I, we did a great job. I'm going to ask you again to trust me. Close your eyes. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to just think about these questions. Is there something in your past? Is there, there's sin maybe in your past that, that still has some power over you? Maybe it's something that someone even committed against you. Maybe you're carrying that burden around. This burden around that you, you don't have to carry that around. Maybe it's your sin. Maybe it's someone else's sin. You don't need to let the enemy have power over you any longer. Your sin is forgiven. Maybe it's a sin of unforgiveness. 
Jesus took the power away from that too. He took the power of the enemy that he uses unforgiveness. He, he, Jesus forgave that because he wants unity. He wants peace. He, wants to, he has given us victory. He's given us the ability to forgive just like he forgave us. So don't give the power, enemy power any longer. That debt's been paid. It's been canceled. Trust Jesus with whatever you're holding on to. Release it. Let the victory on the cross give you hope, give you peace, give you unity. unity. Come back to this good shepherd. Come back to Jesus. If you haven't heard him call him, he's calling your name right now. Run to him. Receive life. Put your faith in Jesus. You can trust him. No longer let your past or your present even hold you captive. Accept the victory Jesus gave us on the cross. Now as everyone's eyes is closed, <clears throat> I'm just going to, I'm the only one looking around. If anybody today is going to say, you hear your voice and you're going to say yes to Jesus, you're going to accept this victory on the cross. Maybe even, I'm going to exclude those people that maybe if, if you've walked with Jesus for a while, and there's something in your life, there's a sin in your life that the enemy's kept you trapped in. And today you're, you're going to say, I'm going to accept this forgiveness. I'm not going to let the enemy trap me in that any longer. I'm going to claim victory. I'm not going to give the enemy power anymore. I just want you to maybe raise your hand. Look up at me. Just say, I, I'm, you don't have that power anymore. You don't have, I, I have this forgiveness. I'm not going to let this sin keep me trapped anymore. Jesus, thank you for your victory. There's hands all over. Lord, just thank you. You can go ahead and look up. We've still got another verse to talk about. We still have verse 15. I want to read to you out of the message. This is what it says in the message. He stripped all the spiritual tyrants in the universe of their sham authority at the cross and marched them naked through the streets. Jesus didn't just forgive sins. He didn't just pay our debts in full. On the cross, Jesus removed all the power from them, like I said. In the NIV, this word, it says disarmed. What, what does it mean when we disarm somebody? Take away their weapons. Take away everything, anything that they can do to harm you. Maybe even to harm themselves. So they, they can't hurt anyone anymore. Jesus took all power away from all those powers, all those authorities, so they, can't, they can no longer cause spiritual harm. It takes us accepting. It takes us accepting, putting our faith in Jesus. <clears throat> but, the, but, but these powers, if we believe... Their ability is stripped from them. Jesus just didn't end there either. He didn't just strip the power. It says he marched them through the streets naked. That's humiliating, isn't it? Who wants to sign up for that to go rent, be rent, paraded through the streets naked? What? Think about just to be, even be in that condition. What would it take in order for you to be marched down the streets naked. I think ultimate humiliation and defeat. These powers are the ones that really, they're the ones I think now, they're the ones with no hope 
and they're the ones with no God. But it's amazing, a few hours before these events, a few hours before this, Jesus died on the cross, these powers and authorities, they thought they had the power. The roles were reversed. Jesus was one, actually the one marching through the streets, naked, carrying his cross. It appeared in defeat. But Jesus turned the table on him, didn't he? Jesus, through his humiliation, through his death on the cross, gained victory. The cross that brought us all victory. Now, the text isn't clear of what exactly these powers and authorities are. There's several thoughts of what these powers are. One of them, it, it could, like we've been talking about, the demonic powers of the enemy, these demonic forces. Could have been even false gods of other nations. Could have been even the Roman government that he was talking about. And it could have been even angels or other objects that people started to worship instead of worshiping God. I'm guessing that's probably a little bit of any, everything. Anything that keeps us from God is probably what he was talking about. These powers and authorities that we get trapped under. Is there something that you've maybe given your authority in your life? Like my friend's son gave authority to pornography. But there's other things. There's things like alcohol. There's drugs. There's sex. There's unforgiveness. There's anger. There's bitterness. There's rage. There's a long list that we could, we could list. Or have we given Jesus authority in our life? Giving us victory over all of these powers, all of these authorities. Do we worship things that shouldn't be worshipped? I don't know if you guys remember, but remember when I talked about what's to die for? Like sometimes people, we literally, words we use, we, we're like worshipping a piece of cheesecake because we say it's, it's worth dying for. That's not worth dying for. Sorry. Are there things in your own life that keeps us from experiencing victory? Or do we worship Jesus, who is to die for? Anything that caused rebellion against God, anything that feeds our sinful nature, it says here Jesus stripped naked on the cross, disarmed that, so they no longer have power, they no longer have ability to cause further spiritual harm to us. He humiliated them on the cross. And all of these powers, when I described what was going on a few hours before these events, they thought they had won. When Jesus was nailed to that cross, when he was crucified on that cross, they thought, we're ridding ourselves of this Jesus. We're ridding ourselves of the Son of God. But they didn't realize who it was. But the thing is, is what they thought they were ending was just the beginning. And that's why we celebrate today. This victory we find on the cross, the victory that Jesus gave us over all these powers, over all these authorities, anything that keeps us separated from God, our sinful nature, we have victory. Jesus made a way back for us to, to God on the cross. Because now we're no longer separated by the cross. Our sin is no longer held against us. That debt just, I want that image here. Like, that debt is nailed to the cross and it says paid in full. Are you free from that debt? You are. All of us are if we accept it. 
We accept Jesus when he nailed that debt to the cross, paying the debt for us. Do you want victory? Victory from this sinful nature. Victory from this that just has us trapped, has us burdened. Jesus, that's the answer. Jesus on the cross, taking that sinful nature, dying, nailing it on the cross. Jesus is the only way if you accept it. Accept victory and choose a life following, devoted to Jesus, a life of victory. But why do we give sin so much power? We say things like, the devil made me do it. Why do we give these powers that much power? Why do we give sin that much power over us, hold us captive, caught in the web? We need to see these these last few verses of Jesus. Jesus on the cross disarmed them, stripped all their power. The message says it was sham authority. Sham authority means it's false. It's not truth. Those powers, authority is removed from the cross, disarmed, humiliated, paraded in the streets naked. Jesus triumphed over them by the cross. Victory. Victory only in Jesus. Can we accept victory? Can we accept Jesus? Accept victory and know that we have hope. Know that we have the one true God. Jesus took all that sin, all that sin, all that sin that's kept us dead, kept us trapped. We now have a clean slate. We all have had our debt nailed to that cross, paid in full. We all have victory. So what does the cross mean to you? One word. Victory. Lord, I just thank you. Thank you for the victory we have over these powers. Over just the lies that we have been told all of our lives. The lies that keep us trapped. The lies that, that the enemy uses against us to try to have power against us. Lord, we, we, we look at the cross and we see there is victory. We see that, that those powers are, are, that debt has been paid in full. It is false. It's false authority. They didn't win. The enemy lost. So Lord, I just pray that we in this room, we just live in that. We live in this victory. We no longer see this, the, the things of this world, Lord, to keep us trapped. That we can look at this, this sinful nature of the world, Lord, and we can, we can be a light in it. 